0: Man, aren't our worship, uh, worship bands amazing? It was so cool hearing you guys backstage. What's up, South Pine? My name's Kenny, it's glad to be here. I haven't been here in a long time up here. Nice to see you guys. Did you see these stats that came out a few weeks ago? America's assessment of their own mental health. It's worse than it's been at any point in decades. Yeah, I'm gonna start with that. <laughs> Welcome back, Kenny, right? But I wonder why, man, there's so much negativity in the world today, right? Especially last year. It's a good thing it's a new year and everything's candy canes and lollipops now, right? <laughs> not the way this year is starting out. Did you know that there's only one group, only one group whose mental health actually improved from 2019 to 2020? Just one. And it's not by race, it's not by gender, it's not by age, it's not based on a marital status or an income level or even a party affiliation, it's people that attend church weekly. Not almost weekly, not every other week, not monthly, but every single week. I'd say that's a lot more than a pragmatic argument, wouldn't you? It seems like maybe that's the way God created us, right? See, God doesn't need us here in church. We need to be together. Because there's something supernatural about gathering together and putting God first, right? We don't do it just for what it does for us. We do it because he's worthy of our praise, and that's why it does more for us than it does for God. It does something in us. I know for me, it kind of gets me focused on the next week, right? What matters the most? It prepares my heart for the week ahead. It strengthens me with divine purpose, right? It reminds me and it reorientates me on God's way of thinking. It puts us in this, in this state of mind to rely on him, to remember that he's always in control, that he cares and to see the bigger picture, right? We know the meaning of life and, and, and where we're headed. And there's bigger concerns than what's going on in my life, right? My life isn't, it's not about me. It's about God. And when you put your attention, you put your focus, and you put everything you've got on God, it helps you to get through and deal with anything that you're facing. So come to church. Don't miss a week unless you absolutely positively have to. Even a week without church can make you weak. See what I did there? I know that not everybody can attend church. I know there's people who can't come right now due to health concerns, and that's okay. Continue to engage in worship gatherings online until you can get here in person. And I can tell you, and a lot of of you guys can tell, from years of observation that when a Christian starts missing church, it's almost always a sign of spiritual problems, right? It's a red flag for commitment, for neglect, for apathy, or slippage, or even backsliding. And what does it mean to be the church? Church isn't just something that we go to. It's not just this building, right? It's who we are. It's our identity. We, we are the church. We're God's people. And here's what we believe at South Point. We believe that Christ is the head of the church, which is his representation in the world today and is composed of all who have experienced salvation. And man, if you're new with us today, you picked a great time to come. We're glad you're here we are starting a new series today about our core beliefs, and it's actually a continuation from the series that we had in the fall, the 10 Essential Beliefs of Christianity. And no matter where you're at in, in, in your faith journey, we hope these messages can help you understand the Christian lifestyle a little bit better. And maybe you'll even embrace them as well. So over these four weeks, we're going to talk about being the church, right, being together forever. Whether it's on earth, whether it's in heaven, whether it's from the past, the present, or the future. God's people form this this community in Christ and it's a bond that transcends time and space and it might be something that we don't fully understand. Sometimes the church here is now called the church militant because on earth we're still struggling, right? We're still sacrificing. We're still suffering opposition. We're deep in, in spiritual warfare. But the church triumphant is already victorious in heaven with God. The Apostle Paul references the essential beliefs that provide our oneness. He says there is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. In the first series called Supernatural, we covered the, the, the triune nature of God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The second series, The Way, is about our personal salvation, right? It'd be the assurance of, through our one faith and through our one baptism. These are all important messages, so if you missed any of these messages, I just encourage you to go back to our website. You can go up to media, and you can go into our media archives, and you can listen to any of them. And we're into the third section now. Us, together as the church, and we'll deal with the one body, the nature and unity of the church, and then one hope about the end times and the afterlife. Today and next week, we're focusing on one body. The church is the body of Christ, whose members live under the new covenant, gather to worship and build up one another, and carry out his missions to make disciples. Do you ever sit back and wonder why church is so important? I mean, why can't I just have a relationship with Jesus and and forget about the church and not go? Is church really necessary? The truth is that we can't live the Christian life without belonging to the church. And I know there's plenty to complain about, man, especially in church. People are down on church, people from the outside are discouraging church, people on the inside are attacking church, people are leaving the church, and just as many churches have left from the faith, right, they have taught taught false doctrines, they're filled with dysfunction. We've done some pretty destructive things as Christians, let's face it, right? Even the best of churches is a mess, We're, we're all a mess, but man, I love the church, you know why? Because I love the founder. The church isn't man's idea. The church is God's idea. It's his family. It's the body of Christ. He is the head. It's the temple of the spirit which dwells among us. I love the church because Jesus loves it as his bride. Ephesians says Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He died for the church. And there's nothing else like it in the world. Despite all its flaws, despite its mess and its failures and its, its messiness. And I also love church because the best people I know are from there. Loving, kind, gracious, forgiving. And believe me, I need forgiveness more than most. But we all do, don't we? See, we're not perfect. We try to be tremendously good, but we're not perfect. And I love the church because of the good that the church does. See, Christians have been known as people of justice, people of peace, people of of compassion and morality. In places that have been influenced by the church, slavery has been eradicated. Women aren't treated as property, but they're actually valued. The church has been known for establishing health care, charities, homes for children and the aged, schools, providing treatment for the disabled, just to name a few. And I love the church because some of the best things in my life are from church, they're associated with it. From birth, I was guided by godly people in the church, some in my family, some not. I gave my life to Christ in a church service. I was baptized there. I made some great friends in my youth group. The best friends I got now, as adults, I met in church. I felt a call to the ministry in church. I ran, but God waited. I was married in the church. I was ordained right here at South Point. I have worked in churches. I have taught in churches. I just can't, I can't get enough of churches. Churches. The New Testament knows nothing about unconnected Christians. The church isn't some man-made religious group. The church is God's plan. It's divine in origin. I mean, think about when did the church begin? In a sense, it continued from the days of Abraham through the times of Israel and its tabernacle tent in the temple and the scattered synagogues. But the church of Christ was born on the day of Pentecost. 50 days after the death and resurrection of Christ. and it's recorded, in book, it's recorded in the book of Acts that on that Jewish festival day when multitudes had gathered in Jerusalem all over every part of that world, God started the church in the very city that Jesus was raised from the dead in. And it was on that day that the Holy Spirit descended on those 12 apostles with power and these miraculous signs and they proclaimed the good news of the resurrection of Jesus publicly for the very first time. Acts 2 says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added in number that day. Imagine how waterlogged you'd be. Man, would it be worth it though. See, when you do receive Christ into your life, you automatically become part of this universal church. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. We are the New Testament Israel, a transracial, transnational, transcultural kingdom, and it's not defined by geographic boundaries or physical birthrights. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Did you hear that? See, Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church. And it is built on the foundation that he is God, he is God's Son, who came to be our Messiah, who came to be our Lord and our Savior, and on the apostles and the prophets, as the, his inspired spokesman, who gave us his authoritative word, the Bible. And he's still building this church to this day. The Apostle Peter says, "As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious." You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a temple, to be a holy priesthood. Get that for a minute. I'm to let that sink in for a minute. God is calling you and me to be a holy priesthood. To offer sacri- spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, the church is both the most in- exclusive and the most inclusive community in the world it's exclusive because only those who put their trust in christ who are committed to live for him can be members of the church and some cults and quasi-christian religions pass themselves off as churches even invoking jesus's name but because they aren't built on jesus being god's son and our savior they're not truly the church and inclusive because membership is open to anybody, man. Anybody can be a Christian from all walks of life. It doesn't matter what religion you were born into. It doesn't matter what class of society you belong to. It doesn't matter what language you speak. In Christ, those distinctions are irrelevant because we're all one. Number two, the church is Christ's community. We don't share this this kind of long distance and visible unity. We need visible, personal community to experience fellowship in. And we have to have and we need local churches where we can gather with real live people, flesh and blood believers, so that we can experience life together, right? Paul says, so in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. The Lord says the church is a spiritual necessity. This isn't an optional activity. See, spiritual, spiritual activity spirituality takes place in community, not in private. Becoming a church member is not like joining a club. You don't just put your name on a ledger, pay your dues, and put in your resume and call it a day. Joining a church identifies you as a genuine Christ follower, and it lets everybody know where you stand. Hebrews says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This is where we meet for fellowship. It's where we meet for worship. It's where we meet for instruction and service. It's where we share the Lord's Supper together. We go deeper than superficial friendships with these supernatural fellowship, don't we? It's a quality of fellowship that the Bible calls koinina. And it's a Greek word that indicates a bunch of people kind of sharing life together in God. See, the early church didn't know anything about these floating believers who wandered from church to church to church, never putting down their their location. See, they needed local fellowship to be the church. And they had to carry out the one another's that the Bible talks about, right? Serving one another, building up one another, teaching one another, bearing one another's burdens. Remember, a family that comforts one another when they're sick, prays for one another in hardship, grieves one another in loss, rejoices with one another in blessing, helps one another in a crisis, and encourages one another in our walk with Christ. And when things go bad, and when things go really bad, They work it out. I'm going to say that again. They don't walk out. They work it out. And that's what we're supposed to do. We also function as the light of Christ, a positive influence in our society, right? To be the conscience of the community. Number three, the church is for your benefit. Church membership is, is a commitment to the leaders and the members of the body, communicating to them that I need fellowship. We need each other. I need you. You need me. And there are a ton of analogies for a Christian disconnected from a church a football player without a team, a soldier without a platoon, a tuba player without an orchestra, a child without a family. See, Paul writes God has combined the members of the body that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Equal concern. He also says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. Share each other's burdens. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. See, man, we can't personally care for and pray for everybody, can we? But we can do that for one another. We can't visit everybody in the hospital, but we can do it for those in our family. We can't provide counsel and advice for everybody, but we can do it for our family. Being a member of the church is our way of recognizing those that desire to make this type of commitment. Also says I need shepherding. Another analogy for a Christian without a church is a sheep without a flock. See, we need to place ourselves under the spiritual protection of godly leaders, accountability to grow. Inviting them to help us to live this Christian life and help us to grow. That's why God gives the church pastors, or more literally, the word is shepherds. The church is given shepherds who are charged with leading and feeding the flock. Other names for those spiritual leaders are overseers or elders, and I, I'm one of those. And more than titers, titles, they're, they're more of a, a servant leadership. It's indicated by Christ-like maturity and wisdom. And we see these terms used in a passage in Acts 20 where Paul says to the group of, of church leaders, pay careful attention to yourselves and to, to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. See, we got this real simple structure at, at South Point. It's just like the early church, with elders who are spiritual pastors or teachers, staff ministers, directors, and deacons who serve in ministries, and meet the biblical character qualifications. And this isn't a dictatorship relationship, this is a servant relationship, servant leadership. And it's modeled after our chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. And as long as leaders are trying to follow Christ's leading, then we're to take their role seriously. Hebrews says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. See, our fellowship is based in our commitment to Christ as our Lord. That is, we can't live however we want. With our old worldly values and our old morals and still want to be considered part of the church. So leaders are charged by God to bring guidance and discipline sometimes to our lives. And if somebody insists on being called a Christian, while continuing to leave an unrepented, repeated lifestyle of sin, we are called to do all we can to bring them back to God. But if they refuse... We can't have fellowship with them because their immoral influence corrupts the whole church and brings disgrace on the name of Jesus Christ. And that's something you don't hear much about today in in today's tolerant society. But here at South Point, man, we're more interested in holding up what God says instead of offending somebody. Being a member also says that I need a partnership. We have a mission, and this mission was given to us by God that can only be accomplished, accomplished if the body works together. Becoming a member says, man, you can count on me to serve, you can count on me, I'll make a difference. God's purpose for our life requires that we find our place in the team and we drive towards the goal of winning the world to Christ and make it a better place until he returns. See, God has fit us all together with these different gifts and these different talents to complement one another's gifts and talents so that the work can get done. That's why our big idea is real simple. You need the church and the church needs you. Now you'll notice on this that the first church is a capital C. That's the universal church and we need that. We need the universal church. The next church is a small c and that's a local church and that's where you were needed. We need the church and the church needs us. See, Jesus gave the church a mission, right? And it's called the Great Commission. We talked about it last week. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's a call for every single Christian. Not just the 1% who are ministers, who are ministries, missionaries, who are pastors, who are elders. The primary responsibility for church leaders isn't to do the ministry, but to train and support the 99% for their work in ministries, or making more and better disciples. If we rely on that 1% to do all the work, it'll never get done. The world will never be reached with the gospel. We've got to do the work. You are needed. See, the church is the only hope of the world because we offer the gospel of Christ. The gospel is that he laid down his life for us to pay for our sins on the cross so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to God. What does that accomplish? We escape the day of judgment and we enter into eternal life by his resurrection. In the next verse, Jesus proclaims, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. That seems pretty simple to me. See, man, this is the greatest cause in the world. It's the only thing that's going to outlast the world. Because let's be honest, Hollywood, it's going to be gone in another 100 years. Microsoft, Apple, Google, things ain't going to be around in another 500 years. The United States, let's be honest, probably isn't going to be around in another 1,000 years. Heck, the way we're going, it might not be around for another 10 years. Because no earthly kingdom lasts forever. Nations rise and fall, but guess what? The church goes on. God's kingdom will never fail. The only true world superpower is the church. His family will never die off and it will never be killed off. And I can confidently say that it is absolutely the best decision that I ever made. And it will be the best decision you've ever made if you haven't made it yet. And if you'd like to say yes to Jesus today, meet with somebody out at the point in the lobby or after the service. Or if you're online, you can click one of the links. You can text your name to 734-304-7248. You can send an email to next at southpointccc.com. That'll work whether you're here or whether you're online. Give us a chance to talk to you, to answer all your questions, to pray with you to help you get ready for baptism here or in the near future, or if needed, to do it at home. See, God made you to belong. Life, life ain't no solo act. We were created for community. And I can also confidently say that joining a good biblical church will impact your life more than anything you can ever imagine. And I want to invite you to become part of this family today. To say, yeah, count me in. You can count on me. So to become a member of South Point, the first thing I'd recommend that you do is take First Step. If you haven't yet, you can sign up to take it next Sunday here in the Trenton Auditorium. It's a two-hour experience with a free lunch and it'll help you discover South Point's story and what your next step is in your journey with God. You can sign up at events.southpointccc.com. Think about it, man. As Christians, don't we rightfully get upset when we see churches being restricted and shut down or destroyed by hostile governments, tyrants, or violent religious extremists? But what about churches that shut their door because Christians just decide not to show up? Or lack of participation? or they drift away or they drop out how upsetting is that what if every christian showed up as often as you did what if every christian served like you did what would what would get done what kind of church would we have how many disciples would we be making would we even have a church how long would it take before the doors were shut What if every Christian gave and supported the church like you? We encourage people every single week, not only as an expression of worship to God, but also as a partnership in His work of making disciples, right? And this isn't for our guests. If you're new here today, this is not for you. But for those who call South Point their home, you can give on Sundays here at the Give Boxes. You can do it anytime online. At give GiveSouthPointCCC.com, you can mail in your, your, your offering check. Let's team together and do this. Want to know what the results are? Last week we had seven more people baptized into Christ, but that's not the good news. Hold on. You know what the good news is? All seven were kids and teens. All seven. How sweet is that? See, man, our kids need church too. And we're working towards reopening the in-person kids' ministry on Sunday, January 31st. If? We have enough volunteers. So now's a great time to sign up in your connection card. Go onto the website, southpointccc.com backslash teams. You can email us. You can call us. You can go to kids at southpointccc.com and sign up. Shift in middle for middle and high schoolers meets in person tonight. And we're going to also continue to provide those online lessons and resources and lessons for, for kids and students but a cool highlight of gathering together each week is to recognize one body in Christ in the sharing of communion. And if you're not a Christian yet, I just ask that you spend this time for moments of quiet time or maybe even personal reflection or heck, maybe even prayer. And if you're not able to be here, grab your communion elements now. Flatbread, grape juice, closest thing you got to it. You should also know that you can come anytime during the week and you can pick up communion supplies at home if you can't make it here. All you gotta do is peel back the seal and the bread and the juice. See, we share a communion every single Sunday because it reminds us of the the body and the blood of Christ and what He sacrificed for us. And it's something we all do together. And it's been going on for two thousand years that expresses our bond, not only with him, but also with one another. This practice was done weekly in the early church, but sadly, it's widely neglected by our modern church. It's a monthly, quarterly, or even a yearly thing. But we will follow the precedent for the early Christians. Because Paul said this, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. So let's do that now. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for loving us. God, I ask you to waken up your church. I ask you to bring your universal church into South Point Church and just bring us alive. Everything we're going through right now, Lord, we need you more than ever. Bring revival, not just to South Point, but bring revival to your church. Allow all those people who have walked away to return, Lord, soften their hearts so they come back. God, I ask you for restoration. I ask you for growth. I ask you to be with us so that we can can grow in ways that are just supernatural and the only explanation is you. Father God, during this time, we have people online, we have people at home, we have people that are spread out. I just ask you to keep us together during this time of social distancing. Father God, we have so many members and so many people around that are sick. I ask you to give them protection. I ask you to heal them. I ask you to bring this season to an end so we can kind of get back to some type of normalcy. Father God, I ask you to be with those that are struggling during this time, those that can't go to work because of their kids, the kids that are struggling with school, the parents that are struggling, the teachers. I ask you to be with them all, Lord. Help us through this time because you're the only one that's going to get us through it. They're in here or not, soften their hearts so they're convicted to run back to you. Father God, as we take these, these simple elements, we don't we don't take them lightly. We recognize that these are symbols of your blood and your body that was given for us, and we are so grateful.